Death Row by Steve Butler, 2230 Redondo. In the quiet of the evening as the wind was blowing softly across my face, I began to feel my spirit adrift. It didn't matter that I was leaving. What mattered was that I was not finished. It felt so strange to lose control of staying here on earth and knowing that this was it. You always dream of how the last moments would be like. Is there pain? Is there agony? There was nothing. It was so quiet. I could not hear any noises around me that came from the earthly world that I was leaving. I could see the movement of the water and the grass and weeds and trees, but no sense of touch or sound. It was the transition. I always thought your life was supposed to pass before your eyes. But I was never more in the moment than at that time. I had given myself permission to pass on. But there was no clue as what to expect. No angels, no bugles, no light. I did not know how much time was passing and no one noticed me or that I was dying. Funny. The sense of not being finished was the greatest of all emotions that I had. It wasn't anything in particular, just that I wasn't finished. Not being finished is a strange emotion. It's like when the clock runs out in a game and you lose by one point. There's no way to change that day or that score. It's over and everybody goes home. But unlike that kind of day, you don't get to wake up try better the next day when you die or so I had always believed that is when I felt sick to my stomach and the loss of my life as a tragedy became clear and my loss of not being finished became my fear of dying at that very moment something told me I had a choice but that time was running out and I had to make that choice now I wanted to live The very second I made that decision, all the trauma and all the elements of the situation came back with a rush and a flash. My body went cold. I could tell I was running out of air and I had little to no time. It also became clear to me that if I had died in this state, there was no coming back. The previous moments were someplace that gave me a chance, a chance to make a choice, a chance to think a chance to understand the place I was in now was completely of the limitations of this earth gravity had taken over and my body was dying I no longer had to save my soul I had to save my body I fought with everything in me to find a way to get air in my lungs and to get my body into a state to survive on earth I was physically fighting for my life and the world was trying to take it Just moments before I was able to just walk away and maybe come back. And now there was an enemy and there was me and only one of us was going to win. Death Row. Chapter 2, My Earliest Memory Here I was, two and a half years old and it was my earliest memory of being alive. A new person had just entered our life. 
in our one-bedroom apartment with a circular window in the front facing west and hardwood cold floors that allowed the breeze from the ocean to blow under the cedar planks and between the cracks and into our home. My mother placed me in my cell and carried the newborn into her room, looking down upon her with a smile and a warmth that seemed to make her happy and safe. I was all alone. I remember holding on to the planks that surrounded me. The only light was a faint strand that ran down the length of the curtains or down the separation of a single blind. From what I could only imagine was the moon and its reflection of a sun that had long gone on its way. I was afraid to close my eyes because I did not know if I would ever be able to open them again. So I laid there with no sound, completely cold and trapped behind wooden bars. I never thought to speak or to make a sound. I just didn't want to disappear. For whatever reason, I figured there was no way out of this thing until my mom came back to release me. That did not seem to be on her mind. I looked around, but I could not make out things I had no words for and no sense to know what they were, except they were not alive like me. Each still permanent in its place. Nothing I looked at as if it came or was ever going anywhere, except the cage that I was in. It was out of place. It didn't seem like a part of the rest of the room. It was a solitary confinement for me. I guess it was meant for my safety, but I felt to me like a cage. I was two and a half. What did I know of a cage? But I did. It was clear that these wooden bars were meant for me not to move, not to go anywhere until my jailer returned. I was two and a half. I had no knowledge of and had not been taught anything I could remember. But that light, I instinctively knew that that light was what I needed to hold on to. The sliver of light became my peace and my hope to make it through that night of loneliness and fear. That sliver of light gave me the strength not to cry out and not to worry that I must find a way to escape. I just knew that if that sliver of light were to stay, that more would be on the way. I laid or was on my side holding a bar and concentrating on that sliver of light. I never took my eye off of that sliver of light. I don't remember if it came closer or moved away, but I remember that it moved. It was the only thing in the room that had life, I guess other than me, but I was a captain, unable to free myself except through my mind. I was two and a half years old. Where did I learn hope? Where did I learn perseverance? How did I know that the light was the sign of life beyond my current place? I was sure that it was the key because like I said, it was the only thing that could move freely. And even though there was only a sliver of it showing, its brightness as it cut through the dark let you know that it was so much more of it beyond the shadows and given a chance it could take all the darkness away. I waited and I waited. 
Slowly, as the morning came, the light disappeared into more light. Until light filled the room and I knew I was safe. As adults, we use light as a metaphor for hope and perseverance. As a two-year-old, I use light as the evidence of hope and perseverance.